Yeah, so how about that um, the AFC Championship game? Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah, they were two really close games, I think. I didn't watch either, but I heard I heard of it. It was a... Uh, I mean, if you can put all the bad sides of football aside, it, it was a good day of football. Two very enjoyable games. First time in NFL playoff history that both games went into overtime. Yeah. On the, on the same day. Yeah. Uh, the recently re- relocated Los Angeles Rams of Anaheim are, yes. are making big moves. That's, That's right. But yeah, so but uh, but nobody cares about all that because um, I know who loses the Super Bowl already. Really? Yeah. Well, tell me. I'll I'll put some money in. Uh, it's America. Mm-hmm. So here's why. And <laughs> Haven't we already lost? N- you know the thing where somebody on Twitter had a good tweet where they said. Um, you like don't ever say things can't get any stupider because mm. they they absolutely can and and that's ex- extremely true but i have a link that um this is a 15 second video that i want you to watch and hopefully if you can do some audio editing you can actually input it into the show i was going to say that nothing is more interesting in an audio podcast than one of the hosts watching a video mm-hmm. so it's only 15 seconds so you should hit play and then tell me what's <gasps> happening no it's bad Oh, this is amazing. So I'll try to find a way to, to put this in. So the, uh, this is a, a callback for longtime loyal a, listeners. It's not a callback. They'll remember uh, America's favorite segment, Still or Sparkling, where we've talked about it. it. It's Pepsi, right? They're the ones who do this? PepsiCo is the one that's making their LaCroix competitor that has a really dumb name and tastes gross. That's correct. Uh, uh, Pronounced. Did we ever figure this out? Boobly? I think that's how we jokingly say it, but it's... It, it, is similar it's to the bubbly. way that I force it to say uh, Hermes, but it's, it's bubbly with okay. only a single B. And this is a, I guess, going to be a Super Bowl commercial because the YouTube video is called Super Bowl Teaser. And yeah. it's a bubbly ad with none other than Michael Bublé. So another perennial fixture of this uh, show, whether he wants to be or not. Yeah, yeah. Canadian pop star Michael Bublé is sitting dejectedly um, on the floor of a convenience store. Uh, replacing the Y in bubbly uh, with buble uh, with an accent over the E. And it's, yeah, he's wearing, he's wearing his trademark suit, which kind of actually makes us really likable. But yeah, this isn't really going to make a lot of sense to most other people outside the two of us. But I feel like <laughs> we've had a lot of just like what really weird. About? <laughs> Fair point. We've had a lot of weird crossovers of our interests lately. Have you noticed that? I, yes, but I think we're getting to the point where just everything is everything. But yeah, but we just bit, we've been we've been doing the show for so long. <laughs> yeah, like like Claire Malone was like two miles over <laughs> doing a talk at, at the Mill Valley Library, like something super hyper local, but does cross over many interests. Uh, I forget. Like there were two other things this week. There was a. There was like a, a mascot in Orange County that you shared with me in the thing. Oh, so kind of oh, tying it together. No. Our... Apparently, there was a um, the San Diego Padres had a had a chicken mascot for a while, and apparently they're bringing it back. And I think it had something some kind of tie in with Cox Communications. So, hmm. yeah. So this this Michael Bublé ad, it, it's yeah. I think this is going to be the worst, but it's also kind of fun. But it's going to be the worst. It's, it's pretty good. So you, so I know, so let's maybe get into this a little bit briefly. Uh, I mean, we'll do, you know, we'll do your big Super Bowl um, kind of preview next week. 
when we're when we're closer to the big game. We'll get your get your picks, you know, we'll figure out what props you're betting, all that good stuff. But, you know, before we get to that, what kidding aside, you're you're not into the game, but do you at least get into no. kind of the ads or no. anything else around the game? No, no. you just kind of just do you just tune out. No, I think football's dumb. Like, I mean, I can get where I, where sometimes it's exciting, but I just think it's dumb. And and the whole watching it for the ads thing, I think that might have been a thing before YouTube. But now I just don't care. Yeah, it's it's just not that fun. Hmm. Okay, well, I look forward to your full re- uh, full summary next week. And the Super Bowl is more like highly produced than um, and is is. I know the whole thing is like that it's about the ads, but it's even more structured where it feels like every eight seconds of gameplay has four minutes of ads around it, where that makes it even less enjoyable, even though I don't like the game. There was some stat that I heard today with that uh, AFC championship game that you referenced at the top of the show, where the fourth quarter took as much time, like in real time, as the entire first half of the game, which is, you know... I mean, there were some specific reasons why that was the case, but still, you know, not not ideal. Was that including or excluding power plays? Uh, that was uh, including. You you always include the power play in football. Oh, I don't want to move too far away from the football topic, but Wesley, can you briefly, what is a power play in hockey? So it's when one team receives a penalty, they will lose a player uh, typically for two minutes. That's for a minor penalty of which you know probably 90 percent of penalties are of the minor variety so this is like tripping hooking slashing <laughs> boarding roughing etc. these are all made up <laughs> no, you can check you can check this out what's, what's um, boarding uh, boarding is where you hit a player in the back where they're Jesus. facing the boards and they don't board, really the have any thing yeah, they don't okay. really have like an opportunity to defend themselves. Yeah, that seems bad. So then you'll appreciate this. So there's also a minor penalty for high sticking. You know, you're not allowed to hit hit a player like in the head or kind of any part of their upper body with your stick. What, what, so if you so and if if you do it with your arms, that's okay. Uh, no, that's elbowing. You're not allowed to do that either. Um. But if you high stick a player and they start bleeding, then it turns into a major penalty or a a double minor. And so that's a four minute penalty instead of a two minute penalty. And so you sit in the penalty box and then your team has to play with four skaters and the other team gets to have five. Yeah, I'm going to need like a fact check on that because I think that's one of those things where like if you were... I, I think most of that could be made up, but that's okay. No, it it, it, it all it all checks out. I mean, so basically, you, for, for a very variety of reasons, you can lose a player, and the power play is just that it's five against four. Correct. Okay, but it's not like the goal's unattended or something like that. It's not like penalty no. kicks or something. In um, what's what's the hockey one that's not hockey? Soccer. Uh, soccer. Yes. Um, um, no, you're thinking. So there there are empty net situations, and this is typically <laughs> at the very end of a game where. And actually, the Sharks just did this last night, and it worked, where they were down by a goal in about the last minute and a half of the game. They pulled their goalie so that they can have an extra skater. So they were basically playing six on five, but with an empty net. And they ended up scoring to tie the game. 
I was actually going to ask about that, which which is why would anybody ever intentionally leave their net? Like, why would the goalie ever leave? That just seems like a silly idea, but I guess that's why. Yeah, it's at the end of the game where you're down by a goal or two. You'll pull your goalie so that you can have an extra skater. And, you know, I'd say probably nine times out of ten, the other team ends up you know, scoring on your empty net and it ends up not working. But, you know, that one out of ten times where, like with the shark sauce night, you end up tying the game. Sometimes you just got to risk shutting down the government to get what you want. That's right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing about football before we move on to actual stuff is, uh, do you know who, uh, I just sent you a tweet and you can put in the show notes, but do you know who this guy is? So this is Bill Belichick. And no, no. I... Sorry, the person who tweeted it. Do you know who Panos Panay is? No. So he's the, Jesus, I'm going <laughs> to, we're going to pause for a second. And you, and you, apparently my UPS is really mad because the power's still out. So hold on. Okay. Yeah, I, I can. I'll, I'll talk while um, while you're fixing that. I, w- I was going to say the elephant in the room with this show is that the the power is currently out in your home. I'm not sure if my uh, noise gate was going to filter out your UPS, but uh, hmm? I, I was just, I was explaining to the listeners while you were away that you know I I wasn't sure if our uh, editing was going to uh all the beeps so we, we were gonna have to address that eventually i i think it's fine i think it's like when the daily does the things when uh they capture the background noise or the stuff mm. before the call to make it make it feel more real do you, so, you appreciate so, so, the uh the appearance by the dog what was that this morning or yesterday no what was that yeah they i guess that was yesterday because it was about um the freshman class of um congressman and women oh yeah yeah and he went the barbara went and did an interview and there was oh, a Luna. dog in the yeah or lola yeah that was good so two micro digressions from that wait what was i what was i gonna talk about you sent me the panos panay thing on on twitter which is bill belichick uh hurling a uh, microsoft tablet not once but twice <laughs> okay so we'll, we'll get okay yeah, let's do this first um, so yeah, so he's the guy who's uh, the chief product officer of Microsoft. So he's in charge of the Surface. And oh, I think that's he, good. So that's, that's why good. this is really good. Where uh, yeah, he put it up. He posted a short video of um, Belichick on the sidelines where he uh, throws a Surface and then picks it up again and throws it even harder. Apparently, because maybe the Patriots were losing. I don't know. There's actually a, a funny part of this video which actually happens just right before this clip, which will be in the notes, which is. So the reason Belichick's so upset is because he felt like the refs missed a call. And he was trying to show the official the replay, but the officials aren't allowed, you know, they're not allowed to look at those. They, they can only look at replays under, you know, certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. And they don't look, they don't use the same tablets that the coaches use. And so <laughs> after the ref refused to look at it, that's where he, he first slams it on the ground he then picks it up and then just like tosses it over the bench. And I remember this happening in real time. And I actually almost re- rewound my TiVo and, and recorded it to send it to you. But I, it would, figured, it would you, you, I figured yeah, you'd eventually see it. Uh, so this is pretty good. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate the hashtags built to last and hashtag product testing. That's a, that's appropriate hashtagging. Um, but I appreciate that somebody has a, a enough of a sense of humor about this kind of stuff to, and also Microsoft spends a, just a metric fuck ton of money to be the um, 
to ha- to force these onto the sidelines of games. Right. And, and I assume uh, they're used begrudgingly by the teams. I assume they'd much rather like th- these are probably like more like um grizzled coaches for the most part who had a way of doing things and they don't want to Windows no, I 10 actually, computer. I know I think for the most part actually that the tablets are fairly well liked around the league. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I always thought I mean, they, the football was one of those super traditional things where it's not all like baseball sabermetrics. It's all like gut feeling and plays on paper and stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, inevitably, I'm sure there are some old school coaches and players that feel that way. But I think for the most part, especially for quarterbacks, I mean, what they used to do and, and maybe still do to, to some degree is they would come over to the sideline and have these printed photos of things that, you know, stood out on the last drive or things that they felt like they needed to improve on. And now with these tablets, I mean, they can get videos, pictures. I mean, there's just so much more information they immediately have access to. Hmm. But it's become kind of a meme where (laughs) players will, as far as I know, it has nothing to do with like, the tablet freezing or anything it's just something that they're frustrated about that had happened on the field where i think like aaron Rodgers, a, a season or two ago he he had a situation where he was watching a replay i think of an interception he threw and then as soon as he was done watching it he just slammed the tablet on the ground yeah um and this this belichick one is is probably my favorite one of these that that's come out and if they ever get cold on the sidelines, they can just open Chrome and use it as a hand warmer. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's all the football stuff. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm happy for it to be over, but I'm actually not that happy that the baseball season is coming up because I'm still not over the uh, Oracle Park thing. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I took a little walk during my lunch break today and kind of walked down towards the stadium to see if any of that had started. And as far as I could tell... It's just like banners over the thing, right? Basically. I I didn't end up going all the way down to the ballpark, but uh, I was walking down Embarcadero, and the the big AT and T sign that's kind of facing towards the water mm-hmm. that hadn't been touched. It was just there. Got it. And there's there's things that you don't think about too, like a lot of the streetlights in that area will have signs pointing towards AT and T Park. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually um, I noticed this when I was in Washington D.C. too, because that that arena. Is oh, it's the, stopping the, the Verizon Center. It's now Capital right. One something or other. It's the Capital One Arena, but all of the street signs still say the Verizon Center. Mm-hmm. And I guess, yeah, yeah that, that stuff take a while. takes and, time, yeah. And I think Muni uh, and, and Bart learned their lesson where um, the uh, Muni Metro line, uh, the T, that goes by the ballpark, uh, they actually have on the signs, it just says ballpark. It doesn't say yeah. AT&T Park, so they probably learned after... It went from being S- uh, SBC to AT&T. There's like, no, fuck it. It's, it's not worth reprinting. Between the sixth and seventh name change, they said, you know what? We should just keep this generic. Yeah. Um, And they're going to rename Willie Mays Plaza Larry Ellison Way. So it's, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. So yeah. So anyway, that's that that's football and that's that's uh, sports talk for this week. And your and your power's out. Yeah, that's fine. So we uh, apologies for skipping the show last week, uh, but you were feeling under the weather. And then also on top of that, had we wanted to record the show, wouldn't have been possible anyway, because there was like a, a mini typhoon or tropical storm here um, where it was just like pure sideways rain with like 40 mile an hour winds just all day. 
and it was really unpleasant and weird and therefore like Marin County just lost all electricity for like 12 <laughs> hours. So that's fine. But um, oddly, uh, where I live in Mill Valley are currently also experiencing a large power outage. So uh, this is a uh, 1800s style uh, podcast by Candlelight and lithium-ion battery and, and self-tethering. So you've, you've, when you've been on your international adventures, you've You've had somewhat similar setups. I mean, you've had electricity, but you've tethered and and all that. So you're not you're not too far out of your element here. Well, no, I mean, I'm and I'm using my actual like professional microphone. Where I think when uh, I, we did the podcast when I was in Vancouver, that was just using um, iPhone earbuds, which was probably not great audio yeah. quality. But you know, people people have listened to worse. They they've listened to Disney's their Disney ABC podcast. <laughs> That's right. I, I mean, yeah. Other other than the background beeping, I mean, listeners wouldn't have even known yeah the man the the and so last week when the power came back on so let's let's talk about the stuff let's let's pull forward this stuff so there's a few things with this so last week was it on the show that you had brought up the thing about the hue lights yeah i think that was our our last show but like we actually talked about it on the show i think so yeah i mean it's what happens off air versus on air is frequently unclear to me. Well, thing is, so we, we both um, unfortunately egg each other on with smart home stuff. Where I think I, I bullied you um, into Hue lights, then you got me on the on smart locks and stuff like that. Um, and unfortunately, you and Jason Snell are probably going to get me to get a Roomba, um, mm-hmm, especially since mm-hmm. uh, the guy who makes Dyson uh, turned out to be a scumbag. We might get to that. Um. Yeah, the Hue lights apparently have a major flaw in them, or maybe not a flaw, but maybe an, uh, a less than desirable side effect, which is if you have a power outage and the lights come back on, uh, they come back on, they don't remember their old state, and they go to full brightness. So when the power comes back on at, say, one uh, fourteen in the morning, uh, you, you're very uh, well aware of the time they came back on because your house is blindingly bright, and then your UPSs and everything will, will be back on, and it, it'll, it's, it's a whole to-do. So you had mentioned that there was <clears throat> an update to the Hue app where you could have them, like there was this, uh, um, a specifiable state that they could have when recovering from a power outage. And I think we talked about that twice, and I did not heed that warning. So that's that's been a very common thing. Well, but to make yourself feel better, it really wouldn't have helped. Because so what you think it would do, which is what I assumed it would do, was have an option to say, hey, when the power comes back on, just don't turn this light back on. And that that is the case if the light was off before the power went out, because one of the two options is to just say, hey, return this light back to the state it was in before the power went out. So if the light happens to be off, then it will stay off when the power comes back on. But the only two options are that, which is having it go back to the state that it was in. So if it was, you know, on some kind of bright setting before that's what it's going to come back to or you can have it automatically come back on bright which seems like the very problem that this is supposed to be solving well so, so that's good clarification because i actually didn't realize the first part because actually for me that'd be fine because i almost never have my lights at full brightness like they're at because my lights are only generally on in the evening and i generally don't want like bright hospital operating room style lighting so that'd be much preferable to the 100% brightness of every single bulb in the house. 
but but the setting you really want here, I mean, fine, have those two options, but have a third option, which is, hey, no matter what state this light was in, don't turn it back on when the power comes back on. Like that's, it's just baffling to me that that's not an option. Yeah, but they'll they'll put that in next year's model with um the the Gen Five or whatever. Yeah, I guess it's very very strange. So I think we 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 both had the same experience then when the power came back on. I think for you, you had said it was at like one thirty. I think for me, it was around like three thirty, three forty five. Waking up to you know basically every light in my house being on. Yeah, I'm sure the dog went right to back to bed after that. Uh, he did not. No, that that was that was yeah, that was a whole thing. <laughs> he 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 very much thought it was time to wake up. He's like, yeah, where's my walk? Come on. Yeah, chop, exactly. Chop. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also so other follow up related to to that stuff that we. <laughs> okay, well, it's back. Now my now my laser printer wants attention. <laughs> and this is full very brightness. inside bait. Right, right, right. Um, um God, uh, hold on. so wait, did did the did the power come back on? Yes, but when when it started going out, it was it came off and on several times. Mm. So, um, not. I was. Keep this is this is very inside baseball, but it's it's very odd for me because I guess like you were explaining the UPS is like behind your microphone or like behind no, you. No, so, well, so I have I have two of them. So I have the UPS, which is too small for my um for my iMac and like my desktop stuff and then the server closet which has all the um heavy duty like high power or high power consumption stuff that one has a much larger ups but that one from like an audio perspective is behind me which is probably that's what's giving you the um weird ringing in your ears yeah so it it, it's stereo beeping is what we called it before we we started here and it, it literally does sound like it's here in the room. So like I went to go check on my UPS and you go, no, 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 that's probably just mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in my 10 year old HP color laser jet printer, uh, it comes up uh, whenever you unplug it, it comes back on with a very aggressive noise of paper feeding. So that's <laughs> also. That was startling. great to wake up to at one thirty last week. It's fine. I don't sleep anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Um, yeah, so wait, what were no, it's, uh, I had a point here. Oh, yeah, so the UPS's thing, which is, I, yeah, I need to upgrade these and get um larger ones, even though I did that DIY like battery replacement uh from refurb UPS 12 months ago, I still don't get enough runtime out of it to go through because I mostly thought of it just as a like five minute like brownout protection because that's more of what Southern California was used to. Um, but yeah, I need, I need to get a larger one. But also, we had brought up where uh, you had mentioned that you, uh, on the show, I had suggested, yeah, your, your modem and router, definitely, it shouldn't just be your um, Synology that's on the UPS. And then you, you realize that that came back to bite you much faster than you thought it would. Yeah, it did. But I was going to ask you, you, you said you're tethering. So does that mean that your cable modem and router aren't on a UPS? They are, but that's the problem where I have my... Like my server closet includes uh, an eight bay, uh, Synology, a TiVo, a Mac Mini, a, a high power, uh, 802.11 AC access point, another router, a cable modem, uh, and so therefore, the realistic runtime of it under load is forty minutes, 
where that's not sustainable. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's fancier UPSs where you can say, like, this plug gets top priority. Oh, prob- probably. But that's yeah. probably more of, like, an enterprise thing where that's going to cost a lot of money, where that's not worth it. Right. Yeah, so anyway, that's that's that. Yeah, but I mean, I guess, like, for us, you know, it, it really, like, it, it wasn't that, like, not ha- having our cable modem and router not hooked up really is not that big of an issue because we actually get pretty good cell service here so like we like there was a sharks game on at the time and we just flipped over to the uh nbc my teams app which i still can't really figure out why it's called that is that in addition to or in replacement of the nbc sports app actually so real-time correction so the the two separate apps and with I, i assume like the warriors and kings and all the other bay area teams are the same way but with the sharks when they're on the local um cable town like sports network and you want to stream the game that's where you go to the nbc my teams app but if the game is being broadcast on nbcsn which is like the national uh sports network of, of nbc then you have to stream that on the regular NBC Sports app. And so last Wednesday when the power went out, it was on the game was on NBC SN. So I had to download the regular NBC Sports app and then stream the game there. And somehow cutting the cord. <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to the whole economy of uh, somehow uh, cutting the cord is cheaper and more convenient than this yeah. going to channel 721 and hoping the Warriors or Sharks are on. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I think that, I think that's it for uh, power stuff. <laughs> we have, a, we have a, we have a lot to get to. So let, let's, let's, let's get it moving. And actually I have a pretty good segue and you know, nothing makes us, nothing makes a segue better than when you call out that something's going to be a segue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of power stuff, mm-hmm. I have some follow up on the click for Phillips hue, which is the actual looking like regular looking s- switch. That's actually a smart switch for the uh, Philips Hue system. So I bought one of these because the lady friend's not that big of a fan yeah. of the setup that I've come up with, which is you know putting the the dimmer switch on top of the uh, existing switches that we have in the house. I mean, mm-hmm. I I actually think it looks okay, but I I'm not going to defend how they look. Yeah. Um. So she was supportive in buying one of these for now because they're they're fifty bucks each. So it's it's well. A, the- the dimmer switch things are 30 aren't they well I, and that makes it worse because we've spent all this money on dimmer <laughs> switches which are basically going to have to be tossed and then... well no you can you can donate that stuff or you, you can you can use that as a gateway drug to get somebody go give it to her or to her parents to get them yeah on no, the well wagon. i yeah i i joke we're, we're not literally gonna throw them away we'll we'll figure out something for them but i mean you know there was some money to, to buy all those and now they're basically gonna have to be replaced with something more expensive but so anyway, what we decided to do was buy one for now in kind of our most high traffic area and then see how we liked it. And I, cause I was really curious, like what the setup was going to be like. And then of course, you know, we were both curious about like how it was going to look. So I got this on Monday and set it up right away. I sent you a photo of the kind of finished setup and I think it, it looks pretty nice. I mean, it, it literally just looks like a regular light switch. Well, so I I have several questions, and you yeah. may have explained this the first time around. But is it that it 
because let me open up Slack. But I think if I remember correctly, it looks like it constantly exists in like a halfway click state. Like it, it. So that was so that was one of the things that I. So I also had just a thousand questions about this thing, which is why I was so fascinated. Like to it buy looks one inverted, just, where it looks like a seesaw sort of. Yeah. So it. So I was curious if it, um. Like how that how the switching worked kind of in conjunction with also being able to control the lights with your phone and with your voice, et cetera. And you're exactly right. The way that it works is the light is basically always like in a halfway state. And then you can click on the top to to turn the lights on, click on the bottom to turn the lights off, or hold the top or hold the bottom down to dim up and dim down, respectively. Um it actually also does come with a dual rocker switch, which is actually the, the default. And you actually need to have that one on the the switch in order to set it up in the the Hue app. Oh, so where it's where it's split down the middle vertically. Right. So like a, a good example for us will probably be like in the bedroom, we'll be able to have that dual rocker and have like one rocker control the bedside lights and then the other control the overhead lights. That's so, cool. but where we set it up was just in the living room. So we decided just to go with the single rocker because really the dual rocker, the only purpose it would have served is if you wanted like quick access to scenes or something, which mm-hmm. it, it just was, really wasn't necessary. And it, it, the dual rocker doesn't, it looks a little funky. I think the, the single rocker is just a much more kind of traditional look. Well, and it looks like it has, it requires no explanation to, to a guest. Exactly. So I think where you say you press the left half of the bottom one. It t- totally, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, definitely, like, so putting your shoes um, in a guest, somebody who's never seen one of these things, like, I think they would immediately know, like, what to do. But I, but when you when you press the button, it very much does not feel like a regular light switch because you know if you go to turn the lights on, you press the top portion of the rocker. And then, you know, it, it kind of has this like click kind of feel to it, as the name uh, implies. And then it, you know, returns to its kind of like neutral state. But I mean, the lights instantly come on. So you, you, you know, it would feel maybe awkward for a brief moment, but you would get the expected result. Um, so a question, you, um, you had recommended in the past the iConnect Hue app where you could program the dimmer switch to have, let's say you long press it or you double press it, it has a different meaning. Is that supported here or no? That's a good question. I have not gone into the iConnect Hue app to see if this shows up. Um, in the actual Hue app, there are some customization options. Um, but the the switch itself does actually show up like an entirely different section of the app. It's in the, the Friends of Hue mm-hmm. <laughs> section. So I, I don't know if that is supported although i know that i connect you like I, I i get updates frequently where like when phillips comes out with new products they're you know pretty quick to add support so i would actually think that if it's not supported at some point it will be yeah um i'm i feel kind of like how i do about the tivo with our phillips hue lights where i'm by no means a power user like i think that there's probably like 80 percent of my tivo that i don't really use i feel the same way about the hue lights i i'm not setting up a bunch of like crazy automated scenes and a bunch of different stuff so 
like I, I have the iConnect Hue app and if, and for certain things it's really nice, but I, I, I don't use it a ton. Well that's that's the right way to that's the right way to use it. Where if you're doing like IFTTT integrations where like it senses that you're driving like that that stuff's all nonsense. But where iConnect Hue is cool is that like you can say if I hold down the off button, that turns off everything. Like that's stuff that's it's just one slight step past, I guess, the standard thing. But no, but if it, like if you're using the colors and you're trying to make like a disco scene, like that's that's too much, and that's where it becomes more of a novelty rather than a convenience, right? Um, so I guess like, some other quick notes about this thing: installation could not have been easier. You you sync it with the the Hue app before you actually um, put it on the wall, and that that literally took all of you know a minute and a half to do. The Hue app instantly found it, instantly set it up, and once it's detected, other than showing up in a separate part of the app, I mean, everything else about it pretty much works the same as the the dimmer switches in terms of setup. You you know, you specify a room, it loads the default scenes, et cetera, et cetera. And then so when it comes time to actually installing it, you, you kind of have two options. You can either just stick it on the wall and it, it comes with a back plate along with some adhesive to be able to do that. Or you can simply replace an existing light switch and install it with two screws directly into your electrical box. And so I went ahead and did that. And when you go that route, you obviously don't use the back plate. And you also then just go ahead and tie together the existing wiring. So the the you know the two wires, generally two wires or three wires if you have a ground line that go into your regular light switch. You, you know, take the light switch out and then you take those wires and you use the wire nut to, to tie those all together. And then once you do that, you just screw the, the switch into the wall like you would any other regular light switch. And it, you know, it comes with a Decora style, um, I guess they call that a frame or I don't know. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the yeah. part that goes around the light switch. Yeah. Um, but because it's just a, a standard size light switch, you can also use your uh, existing. Is it is frame the right word? What am I thinking? It's probably of here? not, but it's fine. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but I I had um, when I went through the whole dimmer switch process, I oh, had sorry, some oh, uh, plate wall plate plate. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, no, I would have. I well, I, I do feel like an idiot for not knowing that. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, I had bought some nicer. Uh, plates that, that sounds weird too but um <laughs> i'm not a certified electrician um i had bought some nicer uh plates when i went through and installed all the dimmer switches and i the ones that we have i think look a little bit nicer than like the, the the plate that the the click switch came with so i went ahead and just used our existing uh switch plate there we go that's what it's called and <laughs> You know, again, I, I sent you the picture, and I think I think it looks I think it looks pretty sharp. It does. Um, so, so I think, like over, dumb, overall, dumb, like it. it real, real, um, yeah, real real dumb electric uh, electrical question. So if you just tie all the wires together, that just leaves it in a, in a permanent on state. C- correct. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Because really, that's you know, with a light switch, you know, I mean, because well, actually, backing up a second, that was what was already happening with my setup, because. When you leave your light switch underneath the Philips dimmer switch on all the time, that's the same thing. Yeah. But then the light switch obviously then just serves the purpose of also being able to interrupt that connection by, you know, turning the light off. 
But so yeah, this is really just just the same thing. So obviously, you know, part of the installation when you go the route that I did is you have to flip, you know, the circuit and make sure that's all off before you, you know, go forward with that. But <laughs> um but anyway, I mean, I think like the best thing I can say for it is, you know, installation was exactly what I expected. Super easy, both setting it up in the app and then also installing it into the wall. And it also, it just, it works exactly like you would want it to. Like there really, there isn't anything that they haven't really thought of. Um, it's weird that this isn't a first party thing. It is weird. Yeah, it, it's it's very weird. And it's it's very, very much a third party thing. Like it, it came in kind of just a undescript box and it came with like a small little instruction pamphlet that looked like it was just printed out on somebody's like home computer. Like it's, it's, it has very much like a DIY feel to it. This looks like a Kickstarter project sort of. It does. It yeah. totally does. But I mean, it's, you know, it's a thousand percent supported in the, the Hue app. In fact, I, I think the Hue app probably detected it quicker and set it up quicker than I've had it do with some of my timber <laughs> switches. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's totally a, an official part of the ecosystem, but but yeah, it it definitely has a, a Kickstarter vibe to it. That's a, that's a good way to put it. But really good, really good first impression between the installation and just kind of how it's just kind of seamlessly integrated. So I think we're gonna kind of wait to see if we can catch these on a sale or some kind of like bundle deal or something at some point, and then. Well, it um, seems like it's fairly niche, so that might be challenging. I know I'm not going to hold my breath, but I, again, like I, I think the dimmer switch setup that we have is not perfect, but is, is pretty good. So we, we can live with those for a while, but I, I do have to say that having done one of these now, it, it does, it looks a lot better and it, I don't know, it just, it aesthetically and functionally, I think it's just a, it's a little bit more of an elegant solution. So I, I am looking forward to eventually putting more of these in. So we can have, um, Listeners put an OmniFocus reminder for three months from now, because I think this is going to go a lot like the you resisted putting Hue lights throughout the entire house, but eventually got to the point where you wanted consistency and it just happens that yeah, way. Yeah, well, I, I think that's that's probably what will happen, yeah. Um, kind of, I guess the, the, the one final note I'll say is, you, you know, you had kind of said like it's crazy that this is like a third-party thing. And I think it's also crazy that it's taken this long. I mean, like, how long have Hue lights been out? Uh, I think the smart home stuff is just getting to, well because like Hue lights have been out since like 2011, so it's a fairly mature thing. But I think it's getting to the point where it's not a tinkerer's toy anymore. Where now that um, like the the smart assistant ecosystem and HomeKit are getting a little bit more established, maybe it's time. Whereas before Hue was was for people who knew what a bridge was and, and wanted to muck around with that kind of stuff yeah but it, i don't know it just it feels like a, a switch is such a fundamental part of hue lights like i like the idea that anybody would want to completely control hue lights just with their phone or with their voice doesn't make any sense to me at all i guess i mean i guess some people do but having a switch is is a it, it's kind of like how i feel about having a keypad with that august smart lock we have like mm -hmm. to me to me that lock doesn't make any sense without a keypad like it i guess you could technically make it work but it's just well that that's would 
that's the thing that you told me about that sold me on it because otherwise i wouldn't use it if it was something that i constantly had to use my phone for and fiddle around with like i'm not gonna like that that's that's dumb right so yeah like i I think there's some things that are required as a fallback or like a something to add familiarity that are required to to force adoption and that's probably one of them right and hell it's fine make it an extra but um yeah it should definitely exist and be officially supported so the other big piece of follow-up that I have, this is going to be for you, is I saw this headline about Sony replacing their um, photo transfer app for iOS, which is something either the last time we recorded or maybe the time before that we had talked about and you said was just terrible. So I wanted to see if you if you had a chance to check this out, and if so, if, if this is a meaningful improvement. Uh, well, so there's two big things with this. So first, so that transfer app, there's uh, the current way sony does their um, like ios and phone integration is they have an app called play memories mobile which brilliantly named um it's not very good like it's it's fine but it's it's not very good so apparently with the release of their new uh low-end alpha a6400 camera that they're going to replace that and overhaul that and that's going to be out in a couple months so that's not out yet so i don't have any um mm. any uh hot takes on it yet but it, it's it, i'm i'm happy it's there because that's why I've had to um, like engineer an alternate solution for like phone and iPad photo transfers using the um, the Apple Lightning to SD card adapter. So it'd be cool if that worked better natively wirelessly. So yeah, so that's not out yet. But the big thing is that uh, for my camera and a few others that are uh, current gen uh, full frame Sony camera um, that's out, they are they have promised a new version of the firmware which adds one huge feature. Well, actually, a lot of features, but one that's going to be cool for me, which is uh, Animal IAF, which is a Sony, one of the big claim to fame for them, which makes which is what like one of the big draws for somebody to buy their cameras, is that it has fantastic eye autofocus, where it can detect human eyes as somebody's moving really, really quickly and hold focus as the subject moves, which is fantastic in practice and dramatically improves your keeper rate on photos and they are expanding that by improving the software to also work on animals which is going to be pretty amazing so super super excited for that there's a whole bunch of other stuff they're improving with the firmware but that's yeah uh, animal autofocus is going to be one of the best parts huh i guess i i didn't i didn't know that whole uh autofocus specialty of of sony's oh it's it, it's so good you can even tell like which specific eye you want to focus on because if you're working with a really fast lens that has a shallower depth of field um a lot of times like a worse camera at that like somebody's nose or forehead will be perfectly in focus but the focus won't be where you actually want it to be and that's why stuff will look awkward sometimes yeah that's that's the big draw over canon huh so yeah, so that that'll that'll that will tangle that or doodle that for uh, March when that comes out. And then the other last bit of uh, very overdue follow up that kind of goes with our still or sparkling thing. If if there's two things we're known for, it's sparkling water reviews and mobile payments, and mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, smart home stuff. And don't don't forget Uber. <laughs> yep, I still have my cactus. We're we're kind of we're kind of off that beat now. I, I I think we're still sort of on it. It's just that Adara makes it harder, and they stopped putting the ads all over Instagram of him just talking to the camera. 
So he's he's a little off our radar, and they haven't had any uh, terrible controversies recently. So, but yeah. So in terms of mobile payments, uh, this is one of those places where maybe it's appropriate to use the word "finally" for it. But um, it looks like current C is probably dead, and uh, one of the last remaining uh, big holdouts, other than Walmart, uh, Target, Taco Bell, and a few others, are now adopting auto uh, auto pay, uh, Apple Pay, and that will be rolling out in the coming weeks. Thank goodness. Yeah, so a couple things with this. One, I find it kind of interesting that Apple Pay has basically come to be just the catch-all term, kind of like Kleenex and TiVo for mobile payments. Kind of weird, even though like Android is far more popular or like common. So that's weird. And also that like did Apple have to like cut a specific deal with Target? That just kind of feels weird, like not sketchy, but just just strange that a single retailer can just be like, yeah, we're not going to support contactless payments until we have a specific deal with rates between the two of us. So I noticed that too, the the notion that a deal had been struck was was a phrase that I saw in a few different places. I'm, I'm not clear on money that's exchanging hands because i mean i assume the predominant player still is the credit card merchant but then i i, I don't know if there's some sub portion of that that goes to apple i'm, I'm not 100 well yeah sure so, so part of the processing feed does go to apple and i think part of that is negotiable like to the same point where the interchange fees that somebody would experience is like somebody who's at a farmer's market and who's processing payments through square that's gonna be entirely different than the rate that a gigantic retailer like Target pays to Visa or American Express. So that kind of stuff is heavily negotiated. But I just, like, I was always confused as to how Apple Pay could have individual deals with people and how that could be a big gating factor on whether something's rolled out. But no, that's one of the things where, as part of services revenue that Tim Cook and Apple love so much, Apple Pay is a, uh, like, it's not a, a gigantic profit center, but that is definitely a place where they make money. Huh. Yeah, I, I hadn't hadn't really thought of it that way. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm super excited for that to be there. Um, uh, uh, related to that though, do you remember when Apple came out and said like, oh yeah, uh, so Apple Pay for credit cards, that's all gonna be great. But they also made a big thing about loyalty cards and stuff being right. integrated into Wallet. That feels like that's never come to fruition, and every retailer now has funky apps. Walgreens does it. Um. But yeah, I agree that you don't you don't see that a lot. And there's not enough Dunkin' Donuts around for you to have your Dunkin' or your DD rewards card. N- no, unfortunately yeah. not. Yeah. Because um, yeah, with Target, you still have to use that dumb cartwheel app all the time. Right, and and you you still, if you're a Target, what was it red card holder, which is kind of their store card, that's not going to be supported on Apple Pay at launch, or maybe ever. We'll see. Yeah, because their target's trying to at least have some type of holdover where they can do like the QR code or the barcode payments, kind of like Walmart's trying to do. I, I'm not. I, I guess it's a data play. I'm trying to figure out what the advantage to them is of doing that. But or yeah, or maybe it's because you're getting five percent back on that card. Then, but it, it's your own card. Like how? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I was going to say, like, one final thought here is we've been hard on Apple, particularly lately, and and I think deservedly so. But I, I think one area that they do deserve a bit of credit here is 
I would actually put two things in this category. The first being what we're talking about here, Apple Pay. And I would also throw in CarPlay into this conversation, where when both of those were announced, I was super skeptical that these would actually end up becoming kind of like how you were describing Apple Pay as almost becoming like the Kleenex or like kind of like the standard of the industry. I, I just, I, I, I thought that it was much more likely that both of these initiatives were going to go the ping route mm -hmm. <laughs> as opposed to being what I would say a, a huge success like they both are. Like with, with CarPlay, I, I, I'm shocked at the number of car ads that I see where like CarPlay is, is prominently featured in, in new model cars. Like I, I always kind of thought that it was going to be this niche thing that may eventually just kind of get abandoned by Apple. But it's it's been totally the opposite, where virtually every new car has it. They advertise it as a major feature. Apple's done a lot to improve CarPlay. So I think across the board with Apple Pay and CarPlay, they've achieved two pretty tough things. And I, I think they've executed on them both really well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good call out for a couple of reasons. So yeah, the the, the mobile payments thing... I know it makes Apple money, but it it's a really tough problem to solve. And there's a, been a lot of people who tried to solve it in some good ways and some bad ways. I mean, like people will remember uh, ISIS Wallet, bravo on the name, um, that tried to to give away a million Jamba Juice smoothies to drive adoption. But that was some weird um, Android only thing. And if you wanted it, they actually manufactured a, a specific proprietary case that you could put on an iPhone that actually had the entire NFC secure element stuff in the back of the case that had literally nothing to do with your phone. Like they all had these weird, like convoluted solutions to it that weren't really designed with ease of use and security in mind. It was more of a, how's a way we can put people into this app and this thing and use it as a data mining thing where like, yeah, Apple pay is dead simple to use. It's more secure, probably less fraud prone because of, the biometrics and that kind of stuff and it's it's just better and and apple did a really good job with that um and yeah and, that, and that's surprising because apple seems to be losing focus on a lot of stuff and apple in this in this one case did not and also this is probably maybe a bay area specific thing but i think we've both remarked on it where there are like oddly aggressive and specific in-person promotions and like marketing of apple pay which which is which is weird and good but weird where you wouldn't think apple would actually do that like anything that's that local right um and i think the other thing that they deserve some credit on and, and something that makes apple play apple pay and carplay similar is they found a way to work and integrate successfully with companies and industries that are notoriously difficult to work with and industries that like to have complete control over their products and services, those being credit card merchants and car manufacturers. Um, I mean, car manufacturers are notorious for not wanting really any kind of third party to have control over any of the software in their vehicles and for you know lot, lots of good reasons. And same with credit card merchants, they, you know, for security and I mean, monetary reasons, they, they don't really want a lot of other players in the mix, but I, you know, Apple's found a way to 
successfully work with both credit card merchants and car manufacturers at a at a pretty impressive scale. And again, I think that's that's something they deserve quite a bit of credit for. Yeah, and and to round out, like it, it's because in the reason both of those things were successful is because it was fairly unApple like, and because for the car thing, like the way CarPlay works, is that that the iPhone is doing all of the rendering. Like, there's almost nothing happening on the head unit when you plug in over USB. All it's doing is just spitting out an H.264 video stream to the to the screen in your car, and it's either using like the vehicle controls or the touchscreen to send back input. That's why it's a consistent experience across almost all cars, and it's so cheap and easy for the um, automaker to actually implement it. And same thing with so like they Apple played within the rules, whereas with Apple Pay, they did the same thing. Like they weren't trying to say like have Apple become your bank and and do all this other stuff. Like they realized that Americans one love credit cards and to a lesser to and you can extrapolate from that of other things. But also that they have a really big attachment to like rewards credit cards and stuff like that, where they they chose something for a specific reason, and Apple Pay works inside that existing ecosystem, and didn't try to put everybody on some weird like different financial product. It was just a different way of integrating what people were already doing in a better way. Yeah, so it very unApple like in both ways, but in both ways very effective. So what you're saying is their TV service is going to be a, a huge success. Their TV service is going to fail so hard, and I'm going to be so happy. Like Hold I on, let, let, let's let's talk about that for another hour. Let, let, let's get into this. No, wait. Are we? Because we no, we do no, this no, every no. every third episode. No, 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 no. Yeah. We're we've we've so we've, we've hashed that out as you would say. Actually, well, quick related follow up or sideways, whatever to that. Um, actually, no. This is actually if we get if we jump into your new stuff sec- section here. Mm. Actually, let's talk about yeah Netflix. Especially Netflix and Hulu. So Netflix this week in, uh, said over the next two months they are is it two dollars? They're, they're jacking up prices. I why well, I think it, it's a percentage increase depending on what plan you're on. But I think in in some cases yes, a two dollar increase. Yeah. So the second one in in like eighteen months. So meh, that's fine. I mean, I derive a ton of value from Netflix, so I'm not really going to complain. I'm paying fifteen dollars a month for HBO. Uh, so the fact that Netflix now cost me $13, meh, but also Hulu, uh, both raised and lowered prices, uh, a week after, um, Netflix did that. So they, they made the ad supported version of Hulu $6, but the, every other version got more expensive. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, confusing. <laughs> like much of this over the top stuff is. Oh, but um, you bull because it's all gonna be cheaper. Mm. That's how cutting the cord works. Well, so, so let me put you on the spot. Quick question: what what is the, what is too expensive for Netflix? Like when what 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 price point is too much for you? Where you actually think is this worth it to me? That's man, that that's a really good question. Um, God, yeah, what what would the number be? Eighteen dollars. I've thought about this a lot. Yeah, I I I would I was gonna say twenty. But if it's 1999, that's the thing where honestly, because I'm a dumb American, that psychologically messes with me, messes with me enough where I'm like, that's basically twenty dollars. But no, 17.99. Yeah, um, yeah. At twenty dollars, I I would probably think about kind of having it when I wanted it, 
and then, you know, potentially, you know, canceling it in periods where I wasn't expecting to use it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hmm, that's interesting. But it, it, it ties into kind of this bigger topic that I feel like we deserve a little bit of credit here. Kind of like how Apple deserves credit for Apple Pay and CarPlay. I don't even know, I don't even know what you're going to say, but heck yeah, we do. Uh, where we've been kind of, you know, speaking of beats that we're on, we've been on <laughs> beats one. this idea for quite a while where everybody was all about this IPTV thing and that, you know, the, the, Steve, the Steve Jobs, you know, the future of TV is apps kind of idea. Uh, t- and Tim. What's that? Tim. Well, no, that would... I no, thought Steve never it, said that. Really? Yeah. Oh, he. I guess the the no. It's when the Apple TV 4K or the the one the Apple TV fourth gen when they did the whole TVOS thing. That's when Tim was like future TVs apps, and then a year later they're like, uh, ha, JK. Actually, we're gonna try to make a TV app. You're right. I'm thinking of the the Steve Jobs quote in the Isaacson book where he said he had cracked TV. Which I, did we ever figure out what that was in reference to? I have no idea, but they sure yeah. didn't. No. <laughs> um. But anyway, we've. We've always been really skeptical that TV shifting away from traditional cable onto some kind of streaming-focused service just ultimately wasn't going to lead to a better or more affordable experience. Like I think people had this like notion that they would be able to reduce their total like cost of content each month from like $150 down to $40 while having 10 times the selection. <laughs> and it's it you could spend 10 minutes thinking about that even years ago before a lot of this stuff was flushed out and and know exactly where it was going to go where everybody was going to silo their content into individual apps. They were all going to charge you at a minimum of about $10 a month but probably more you were going to end up with an experience that maybe in some ways is better but like we were talking about with the uh, nhl streaming a couple of weeks ago in some ways worse but it's disjointed that's the problem where at least cable you're you're it's channel 721 it's not here's how the hulu app works and it's entirely different than netflix and none of them want to integrate with each other because making the content easy to find on a competitor service is not in their interest and, you know, this isn't even getting into the nuances, which I feel like we've also consistently brought up, which is, okay, fine, you want to cable cancel your cable TV service, watch your internet rates go up 30%. So now you've got to add that cost on top of all the services that you're paying for. And so it just it, it just kind of ends up being this situation where you're in a spot where at best, you have access to the same amount of content that you did before with cable TV, although you're still probably not going to have all the live sports and other things that continue to be gated behind traditional cable. And you're going to end up paying the same amount of money, if not maybe more, especially when you consider... So we've, you know, we've been on the whole, well, your internet prices will go up for a while. But I think the other thing, which is starting to get a little bit more attention and which directly relates back to this Netflix price increase is that like so much else in our gig economy, as you would say, the prices that we're paying today are not sustainable in the long term. Mm -hmm. And so 
this, you know, twelve ninety nine a month plan or whatever we've been paying for the last couple of years on Netflix is not the true cost of Netflix in the long run. Well, I mean, if you, if you look at the content spend and all the massive uh, debt they're having out to, to um, create in order to fund the content creation, where they want to have like 2,000 hours of original content coming out a month or whatever their figure was, like they're spending so insanely aggressively, not to the point where I would say it's subsidized, but to the point where they know that they need to have just such a massive exclusive backlog to make it a compelling product that people won't want to cancel where that's not being funded strictly by the subscriptions that are going out. Exactly. Like the economic uh, economics of it are incredibly fraught. So I think, you know, when, when you combine higher internet prices with the, what the cost of these services are going to be in the long term, I mean, you, so let's say you add, 30 bucks a month to your internet bill on average you're probably going to be paying 15 to 20 dollars a month for each of these services at a minimum you're going to have to ha probably have four or five of these services maybe even more as content continues to get more and more siloed you add all that up and you're exactly where you were with your traditional cable package so there's there's two sides of it where one, like I'm critical in a lot of ways of the scalability of IPTV and this kind of stuff, where going back to the your internet gets more expensive thing, it's all this, also the fact of if Comcast or a big MSO is going to lose their um, their video subscription revenue, they're going to either put really, really aggressive data caps to the point where uh, IPTV and over-the-top services are unsustainable uh, because you're going to have to pay a whole bunch of money in data overages. Or also, like, the infrastructure is not really there. And you can tell that versus, or uh, was it the um, was it the NBA Finals or the World Series or probably the Super Bowl last year, which I think streamed in some limited capacity. But there's a thing where either YouTube TV or Sling or all these services, like, just choked on the demand just because it's so hard to deliver that many concurrent streams where for cable TV, that's literally how it's designed. It doesn't matter if two people or... 20 million people are watching it. That's just how it works. So it's difficult. I'm not saying impossible or that people shouldn't try, but like it's challenging I to... The, I think AT or whatever wireless carrier you're on must have just heard you because you, you literally cut out on my end as soon as you started talking about that. That's entirely fine. Nobody knows because that's why we do local recordings. And I really hope I don't accidentally quit out of like call recorder. Um, yeah, so I think on the technological side, like... This show's going to be such a pain for you to edit, but nobody's going to know why, so that's good. That's okay. Yeah, pretend like nothing happened. So yeah, so on the technological side, I think that it, it, it's it's fraught because, one, it's not only like the combination of content costs and the fact that like unbundling is not really going to be that much cheaper just because people are going to fight to have... Um, it's like that's the whole thing where everybody wants to have like at least one exclusive piece of content that makes you want to subscribe to that thing. So like if it's HBO, that's going to be Game of Thrones or whatever... They're on CBS All Access. They have like the Star Trek stuff on Disney. They're going to have Pixar and um, uh, and Star Wars content. And with um, NBC, they have like uh, Friends in the Office. Well, probably not Friends because Netflix paid so much money for it. But no matter what, there's still going to be a point where yeah, you're you're paying like from between like four and six different streaming services at twelve to fifteen dollars a pop. And then if Comcast or your big MSO is not getting uh, the the money from a video subscription, 
they're just going to find a way to raise the price of your uh, of your cables of your internet package or institute data caps where it will be unfeasible for you to do that. And because those communications providers are uh, sanctioned monopolies, uh, moving to a competitor is very very challenging. So yes, I, I, yeah, we definitely deserve uh, uh, some pats on the back for being completely right about this. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding about that, but like, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's not going to be as simple as people think. And I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it took until now for people to realize, oh yeah, it's, it's not going to be this utopia of you're, you're shaving your cable bill from being two hundred dollars a month to twelve. Like, I, I, I don't know how that reality survived for so long. And this is in the advent of. NBC announcing they're going to do a new streaming service. Disney Plus is going to be previewed at their investor event in April. Like it's happening. Mm-hmm. So there'll be there'll be a couple notes or a couple of links rather in the notes. Both of these I think I got from uh, Next Draft last week. Uh, one is um, going in a little bit more detail about the debt that all these um, streaming companies are in. There's a Variety article. And then there's a um, NBC News article about how, you know, when you kind of aggregate streaming prices, how they quickly catch up to traditional cable prices. So very, very much a good summary of, of everything we've been chatting about here. Friend of the show, Dave Pell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the only other thing related to, uh, to Netflix I thought was interesting. There's an article where somebody was summarizing some SEC filing that they had. Where they suggested that uh, Fortnite was actually a bigger a bigger competitor in terms of audience attention and like minutes or hours viewed uh, than HBO, which makes sense. It's just, it's it's odd and kind of a curious observation. It really is, um, and even um, to bring it back to a recent episode of the Daily, like kind of like everything kind of eventually connects back to. <laughs> there was that kid in the episode from yesterday where uh barbaro had asked him what he wanted to do when he when he grew up and he said he wanted to be a youtuber yeah and that's i mean my 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 cousin's kids are very very much like this where when you ask them about what shows they like to watch and kind of what like actors they enjoy they don't they don't really mention traditional uh tv shows and movies or like what we would think of as like you know, movie star actors like they no, talk their about celebrities are, are are YouTube people, hundred percent, yeah, yeah, um, or like Twitch streamers and stuff. It's crazy. Y- yeah, no, I know. And like, um, I mean, not not to spoil the Jack Dorsey interview for you, but a little anecdote that he had on his Bill Simmons interview that I listened today was, um, like esports and gaming is like one of their biggest audiences on Twitter. It's just like very, very interesting. Crazy. Yeah, everything comes back to Michael Barbaro. Um, and I just sent you a thing, which I'm not sure how quickly it's going to send from my phone. Uh, but apparently, uh, breaking news, Apple just dismissed all 200 people that were working on their self-driving car. Hmm. So. Well, I mean, it's. Services. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I think. I, was that ever really a thing? I mean, that, that's the thing. Is I, there's probably. 500 projects in the last couple of years at Apple that have gone through exactly the same thing that this Project Titan thing has gone through. But the difference is that that leaked for one reason or another. 
whereas most other stuff doesn't. But again, for the same reasons the Apple TV, like Apple TV TV set wasn't ever going to work, like it just seemed like that again, that was not their core competency. And and that's barring the fact that I'm making the argument that TV is not, or like original content is not their core competency. Like I, that just does, never seemed to make any sense. Right. Well, it, it's, you know, to, to, to borrow a phrase that you've been liking to use lately, it, it's, it's people's thirst for, <laughs> um, you know, Apple's next big thing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Cause they all thought it was gonna be the Apple watch. And even though the Apple watch is a, a very solid business, it's not the iPhone. Right. And spoiler, nothing's ever going to be the iPhone. So you're all gonna be super disappointed all the time forever. Right. Um uh yeah. Okay. So what else we got? Um so I guess the other big thing I have is this Ford stuff. Oh it's yeah. Kind of a yeah, lot, yeah. lot to get into here. So they so again, longtime listeners will call recall where, you know, we we've discussed a, a few times where Ford I guess this is like their mobility division, I think this is what that's called. Mm-hmm. Where they're kind of thinking about, okay, we know that in the future, at least in some geographical areas, car ownership is going to become less of a thing and actually like already is becoming less of a thing. And with, you know, autonomous vehicles that may continue to accelerate in the future. So how are we going to continue to be relevant in a world where fewer people are owning their own personal car? And so a couple of different things that they've gotten into over the last handful of years is um, companies like Chariot, which are doing kind of like a semi kind of like public transit system. Um, it's it's We've discussed before, it gets a little problematic, but that's kind of what they're trying to do. It was it was it was like it was more specialized and like app based commuter services. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But wasn't like that scummy service that converted a bunch of um handicap focused buses into luxury shuttles that had like juice bars on them. It yeah, Le- Leap is gonna go down in history as one of the shittiest companies on the on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Um and then they they've also been a, a sponsor of the public bike system in in san francisco and i think some other areas as well and literally within like i think within 24 hours right they announced they were shutting down chariot mm-hmm. and that they were pulling out of their sponsorship for the the the, the city bikes and it, it seems like they're for very different reasons probably but um I disagree okay but we'll go for it and i'll, and I'll... Well, it seemed like the the public bike stuff was was really related to the fact that the company which manages the bikes, because Ford's really just a sponsor of the program, mm-hmm. they were acquired by Lyft, so that probably complicated the business relationship there. And then with Chariot, I I don't think we've really gotten the the whole story there, but I mean that was a Ford owned property, so there wasn't any kind of sponsorship issue or anything um but i mean you know taking together these stories seemingly represent a reversal in in ford's strategy from the past couple of years well yeah like that's that's where i think they're connected because like ford no longer saw the value in having ancillary and and related uh transit businesses so i mean like 
like Citibank has with uh, New York for their um, uh, public bike share program. Like, sure, Motivate got bought uh, or is being purchased in the process of being purchased by Lyft, but like that was a like a prestige like branding play where like they're spending a bunch of money just like Nike does in Portland and stuff like that. Like they wanted to have their name on a mobility project. And Chariot was kind of the same way where they knew it was going to lose money for a while, but it feels like just things are getting tough in China and Europe to the point where uh, Ford is laying off thousands and thousands of people across Europe um, because of shrinking sales, even though things are pretty solid in North America for them, where these side plays just don't make sense for them. That's why them those two things together make sense in Ford trying to figure out where can they cut the fat or stuff that's not contributing to the bottom line on this because even if like chariot worked in the end like i guess uh, if you suggest that like uh, at some point it became autonomous and they had enough of them where like there was like a critical mass of ridership that it made sense economically like but i guess ford didn't have the time or energy to to see that play out so i did i, I just think it's that all those side businesses when times are getting tough for the core business and Ford is trying to figure out its electrification strategy to compete with Tesla and all the upstart electric car companies. Like I, th- I think they just need to figure out and cut the non-essential things. What they should do is focus on making cars as cool as the. Have you seen the the twenty twenty Ford Explorer? No. Are, are you saying this in a, a tongue in cheek way or, or no? No, no. It, it's, a, it's a very very handsome looking SUV, and it's it's fairly fairly tech savvy. It's got like the, you know kind of um virtual cockpit display thing like your your fancy car has and then it's got like another big kind of smaller but kind of tesla-esque tablet in the center uh, um i think i think it looks pretty nice i think this looks cool and also there's a golden in one of these product shots <laughs> but yeah the tesla tablet thing i'm not down with that no knock that off that's one of the worst features of the tesla <laughs> Because this one has like the Model S style one. It does, yeah. Like that's no, that's bad. Yeah, the the, ver- the vertical vertical oriented screen. Because it actually goes above eye view, like it obscures the view of the road. Well, no, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, that that that's no good. Because um, like uh, Volvo in the because I was actually thinking of like what what should my next car be, and I was thinking of like the XC60. The Volvo has a. Um, a portrait orientation touchscreen, but it doesn't look that silly. But no, the rest of the car looks pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And and as the market has shown, SUVs and crossovers is what Americans want. They don't want sedans anymore. So good on them for figuring that out. And also good on Ford, or not to give them kudos when they're shuttering a bunch of businesses, um, that they're trying to electrify their um, F-series of pickups. Which makes sense. Again, the stuff that people actually want to buy, at least make those less shitty for the environment and hopefully try to beat Tesla to making a pickup or something. Right. Would they ever do that? Oh, yeah. No, Tesla's already announced they are doing a pickup. Hmm. I know they're trying to do um, like semis and stuff like that. But ooh. Yeah. They, well, they're, they're doing that. Pickup. They're doing that, too. Yeah. They've <laughs> they've not really said much about it, but I I, I think it's. You know, it's it's the Model Y. That's what's going to be up next, which is their crossover. <laughs> they that can't be the name. Uh, we'll see. Like, because everybody would just every article would be WHY. <laughs> <laughs> They're walking right into that. Um, 
and then I think the I think the pickup truck, at least on the consumer side, is is up next. And then kind of in parallel to those things is the the semi truck, which that they've already announced. And I mean, you see those. I, I've I've seen one of those on the road. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like they should make a crossover, or like eventually they have to make a Model Three version of the Model X, that's, right? That's what. So the Model Y is built is going to be built on the kind of Model Three. I don't know frame or to use that word again or uh, base. Yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, it's going to be designed more like a more like a crossover. So I guess more like a it'll be a hybrid between the the Model Three and the Model X. Yeah. Um, a couple of quick hits. Just move, moving off this, just so we can cover a couple other things before they fall off the cliff of the outline. Um, you have a TiVo Mini, right? I do, and you still use it. Well, it hasn't been set up. Well, I mean, it hasn't been set up in the new house because we don't have a second TV currently in the new house. Sure, but well, as soon as as soon as the second TV goes up, it will be you know it will be input one, as you as you famously say. Turns out maybe you won't need to. So uh, Dave Zatz of got, Zatz, I've, not funny. I've got I've got some real time follow up about that, but but continue. Wait, what? I've, I've I'm on the bleeding edge of the story. That, that's coming out this summer. It it is, but TiVo just clarified this evening that it's going to be limited to 720p at 30 frames. On a bedroom TV, you're not going to care. Mm, I I'll care. Eh. Also, keep it like you're broadcasting ESPN two, which is already 720p, which is already Comcast compressed 720p. <laughs> I'm not sure you're missing anything. Okay, that's fair. So yeah, so I think I actually just threw away my TiVo Mini because I don't have a bedroom TV, and I'm trying to do the whole thing where you keep um, the bedroom um, conceptually separate. Is that, is that the the con the KonMari method? Don't get me started on this. <laughs> I, I to, to be continued because I knew she, I knew I knew you'd have thoughts about that. I love her so much. Mm-hmm. She she's adorable, but I. Uh, that is not a good show, and she stole my thing. I anyway. Oh, she, oh the the Kamari method is yours. Yeah, I, the go kart mm. method is different. So you know what? I I'm going to write this up, or I'm going to do something on Instagram related to this. She, she stole my thing. She'll she'll be expecting a lawsuit shortly. Uh huh. And also, her thing is kind of a pyramid scheme too, a little bit. Um. Okay. Have we'll, you, we'll come back. No, no, to that. Actually, no. <laughs> actually, to put a fork in that, go to go to Kanmari. Uh, dot com and that is k-o-n-m-a-r-i and then you can click on consultants and she you can pay her thirty two hundred dollars to become a certified uh tidying specialist so not loving that hmm. seems a little yeah uh but i think I, i'm definitely a certified platinum i've had 300 tidying sessions yeah definitely <laughs> my, my, my apartment by the nature of it being tiny means i am fucking great at organizing stuff. Anyway, TiVo. Yeah, they are apparently moving. Because, um, yeah, like they did the whole reboot of their product lineup with like uh, the Vox lineup, where basically they, just, they put like a Siri remote in the TiVo. So, yeah, they're doing a thing where now there's going to be a Fire TV and a Roku and an Apple TV app. And actually, uh, from the demo that um, Dave's asked, Scott, it seems pretty cool. Or I mean, it's or it seems to like it's to the point where it's good enough where it would obviate the need for a um, a TiVo Mini. Well, let like, me so let, let me hit you with another limitation mm-hmm. that's that's in that 
in this article that we'll put in the notes, you apparently also cannot use skip mode. Oh, which you, <laughs> which you can, which you can on the the TiVo Mini. Okay, let me go fish this TiVo, uh, TiVo Mini out of the trash. <laughs> um, no, still no. Again, because again, conceptually different bedroom. But yeah, um, yeah, no, no. Okay, anyway, I, I still like this. No, I, I think I mean this is. The... But why are they doing that? What what is the upside? Why? why... Because they're obviously not in the hardware business, so what, like, or I mean, like that's they're not worried about moving TiVo minis, so why why do they care? I mean, I, don't I can't know, think of TV... any technical limitation that stops them from using. Yeah, but TiVo's never really been on the the bleeding edge of of technology. So, but why go through the hassle of writing an app to to eliminate the one useful feature of it? Yeah, I, I don't know. What the hell is a dish virtual Joey? What'd you call me? Inside this Dave Zatz article, it says, uh, unlike the Dish Virtual Joey non-starter that was set to run seven dollars a month, TiVo intends to charge no fees. I'm not. I'm not going to click that link. Oh, that's that's smart and dumb. Okay, because you know how Dish Network, like who has satellite TV anymore? Um, they have a DVR called the Hopper. Yes, and a Hopper like the the logo is a kangaroo. A baby kangaroo is called a Joey. That's such a dumb name. Uh, I, okay. <laughs> I, I, you, you know a lot about kangaroos. That's no, that's not. That's not that odd to know. Maybe Australia should be your next international destination. It should, except it's a, it's literally 120 degrees, eight, <laughs> eight tenths of the year. Um, but no, that, 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 otherwise, otherwise known as four fifths. But yes, continue. Don't reduce my fractions. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Don't reduce my fractions. Right. Make sure to write that one down. Uh, on Marketplace, this, <laughs> this show is never going to air. Um, on Marketplace, I always get, like, I, 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 I'm chastising you only because I do the same thing when um, <laughs> Kai is on Marketplace and he's summarizing the markets for the day. So he will frequently say, like, four-tenths of a percent. I'm like, <laughs> I get it, but actually, I think four tenths is more um, in a finance context. It actually is more um, illustrative is the wrong word, but like, it, I think it actually is better. It, it's it's kind of the accepted parlance, I guess. Yeah, it makes more sense. The same way people say bullshit like eighty basis points, even though oh, just, I, I hate I, basis I, points so much, and that's why I hate it when Tim starts talking and making excuses in financial terms. So I'll say basis points. Get out of here. Yeah. Um. That. Yeah. That's a very nichey uh, diversion. Um. Okay. A couple other quick things. Um. All right. Slack has a new logo. Meh. Yeah. It's. It's. It, it's oh. Actually, I have one. Let me send you a link. This is until the football stuff happened. This was going to be my uh something we were going to talk about. You know. You know. Accidental tech podcast, right? I'm aware of it. Yes. Yeah. So they made a, a a they had a surprise like or like a one-off fan art thing for their album art last week on their show and i think this is pretty good yeah if if i was if i was a more regular listener of this show i i would probably be in, be into this it's very clever only cuz you know their whole thing is john Syracusa is on the show and he has a 10-year-old mac pro because apple won't give him a computer he can buy 
and it's the Slack logo made out of Mac Pros, and it's pretty perfect. But yeah, the the, the logo's not not good, and it, and it sucks because I I'm I'm very sensitive and 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 charitable when it comes to like designy stuff, like in in understanding a brand's message and why they do things. But Slack was a company that got pretty big, but still was playful. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And like their brand still like has a lot of personality, but so much of that was tied up into like the plaid aesthetic. And this new one is just bleh. Like I can never find the Slack icon in my dock anymore. And yeah. Yeah. I thought uh, Gruber had a really good write up about it and I'll, I'll put that in the notes. Yeah. Um, actually, we, do you have anything that's critical or do you want to actually, we got to, we got to, this is going to save it for next week, but favorite Trader Joe's items. I forgot we were going to talk about that. Yeah. So I think we'll definitely table that and probably table all of these like yeah. longer topics. Yeah. We're going to table the KonMari stuff because there's more to say about that. Um, Ooh, have you, have you listened to the, um, Mikey B on Alexa? No, I haven't, but I, I've Ooh. been wanting to check that out. It's pretty good. Yeah, we'll we'll say so that. What, for next what, exa- what ex- okay? Yeah, we'll we'll say that. I'm it's curious. Basically, it's basically an expanded is. version of "Here's What Else You Need to Know Today." Got it. Yeah, but it's 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 really good, and I like I it, to the point where I feel like, and I understand why it isn't, but it feels like it should replace the the flash briefing. But I get that the flash briefing is like an NPR thing that's updated every three hours versus once a day. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get to that next week. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I do want to talk about this week, which is um. I really want a Roomba, and now that I know the Dyson guy is scummy, I kind of really want a Roomba. So Roomba, Roomba's great. We we've had one for a couple of years, and actually just bought a a new one because we we bought just a like the most basic of basic, and you know, no Wi Fi, nothing. <laughs> um, but it it doesn't handle dog hair very well. So we recently bought a, a higher end model that is better for pet hair. And all of those models now, you know, have the, you know, have Wi-Fi integration and lady in a can integration and app integration on your phone, all that stuff. Um, which is it, it, actually, I think, I think I didn't, I make it a pick at some point. The, the iRobot lady in a can skill is other than the Logitech stuff is is probably my favorite lady in a can skill it's delightful yeah so i'm not trying to shame you but like wh- how much was it like because i just want to know how much does the good one cost because like the, i don't yeah so the the one that we bought i think so it's it's one of those things where costco has like it, it we buy, I don't, i'm getting the the model numbers probably wrong here but i'll, I'll kind of make them up it's like there's like the 980 that I think is like eight hundred bucks or something. Oh uh, no, no, no! But then, but then, no. But then, Costco makes exactly the same model, but they, it's like the nine eighty five. But it's like, it's exactly the same thing, and they sell it for it was five or six hundred. No, I think I'm in the Jason Snell camp. Well, but you where... don't need the you don't need the one with for like pet hair and stuff. Well, but that just means it's more effective. Like, I mean, I want one that doesn't suck, or I want one that sucks exceptionally well. <laughs> the uh the the really basic one that we that we had before i mean worked really really well i mean cuz jason bought the 690 and i saw like i i looked at the price tracking things of like when he bought it and he bought it when it was 250 
And I think that's my limit because the thing is like, I, I, I assume it wouldn't be that good, but it'd be more of just having a little cute robot that hangs around your apartment. So I don't... it's, it's pretty, it, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. And you know, ours, ours is, this is similar to like what uh, Mike described with his on, on upgrade last week. Like ours doesn't have the functionality where you can, you know, tell it to go just clean specific rooms or areas or anything like that. It does show you a map when it's done, but it, that's more just kind of as like a summary of, Hey, here's everywhere it went. Um, the only other thing I'd say that's advantageous about some of the higher end models, I don't, I don't know exactly how Jason's works. Although the one downside with the, the basic model that we had before was it kind of just smashed into stuff <laughs> like it, I guess it kind of slowed itself down, but not really. It really kind of just bump, bumpered itself around until it had like some freedom. Yeah, yeah. But the like the the one that we have now actually like slows itself down before it runs into a wall or more importantly like a piece of furniture. And we did we definitely did have some scuffs and things on furniture oh. uh, <laughs> when using the other one. So that that was kind of another important thing for us with when we when we upgraded yeah then okay never mind then okay because i would want i would want i want a nice one and i it's just not worth it to me so look into um costco i mean not not to have you know costco's not paying for this airtime here so not not to run like a free ad for them but they dogs (laughs) they sell a second model which i I don't recall how much that one was but it's, it's the same thing where it's like ridiculously discounted compared to what you can buy it anywhere else um, but still, I, like over four hundred is is. It I know I don't, I don't think I don't think territory. it was I don't think it was over four hundred. I think it was cheaper than that. It might have been like three fifty. And also, so I don't I, have a Costco membership. Oh, hmm. like I'm a, like a, I I live in an apartment. Like where am I going to put yeah thirty six no, rolls I, of paper towels? I, I I understand. We I've gotten much more into Costco post house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll just build a, a second shed and I did in August <laughs> I, build a third I, shed and I'll just put my excess Costco stuff and I'll just I, come by at 2am. I, I literally built a second shed on Monday. <laughs> this is how this is, this is not the Murray method. No, it's, it's, it's certainly not. No, I'm moving on t- tungling that very, very angry about that. <laughs> um, you, you watched the first episode of it, right? I, with the I've annoying not... couple that used to call each other, babe. I've not seen a complete episode. I've I've seen I've seen bits and pieces of it and I'm generally aware of the movement. But I mm, the tidying movement. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the joy it brings. Moving on. Till next week. Okay. <laughs> uh what you, what what do you have for um the chef special? Other than sheds. The the the, the chef special. Is that like the Google or uh, it's more like the the Bing. Um, <laughs> got it. Um, all right, so I've I've actually I'm I'm gonna pull a Carlos here, and I've got. Um, <laughs> oh no! Don't. <laughs> I've got two for you this week. Oh, okay. Uh, which I know you you like to do. So the first, I'm gonna send you send you in the thing. This is gonna be one of those picks that's got a name that just rolls right off the tongue. So this is the. I guess we're gonna go with Vava. If it's not a trash just, can, I'm gonna be mad. 
VAVA um, USB-C hub. And this is the, this is actually the wire cutters pick. Um, so I, I, we've mentioned offhand on the show that I've, I've got one of these new MacBook pros with touch bar. Um, that's my, my new work machine. And so I've, you know, I've entered the USB-C world and USB-C hubs in general are shockingly expensive still. Like it was, it was one thing when they were really expensive, like when the first USB-C computer started coming out, but like we're, we're a few years into this thing now and USB-C hubs are still astronomically expensive and in many cases still pretty limited. We're like for a hundred bucks, all you're getting is maybe two USB ports and an SD card reader. Um, so this pick from the wire cutter, which is, I guess it's 60 bucks, but it looks like it's on sale now for like 50 comes with three USB, a ports, a USB C power port. So you could continue to run your power adapter through it an HDMI port, an ethernet port, an SD card reader. And I think, I think, I, I think I hit everything there. Uh, and, a, and a TF card reader. That was the other one. So a, what? a TF card reader. What the hell is a TF card? I don't know. It's, it's a alternative to an SD card, I guess. Oh, nobody calls so, it TransFlash anymore. Oh, it's a micro SD. Got That's it. so weird. Okay, cool. Um, so I've had this for a couple of weeks now and cause I needed something for here at the house when I wanted to have my MacBook Pro hooked up to my monitor and mouse and the Rode podcaster, all that good stuff. And I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of, it's basic, right? I mean, it just, it kind of does what it's supposed to do. But again, for the price and for all the ports you're getting, there's kind of no, no better option out there. So simple little device, but you know, does the job. It's kind of it's kind of sad that USB C hubs continue to be just crazy expensive. But and so you've you've sent me something here. You might be on mute. Am I t- am I talking? Wait, there there, we- <laughs> there you go. This is very professional. Apparently, you may have like because uh, I was looking at the um, Amazon page. Apparently, there's a newer version of it. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if there's anything better about it, but it's it's a it's boxier. Um, it, it looks like it might be like bigger well i think yeah. this uh well i think no because like the one that i have has Ooh, like save three... an extra 30 dollars this is only 30 bucks hmm, interesting. yeah no i think that that one's that one must be maybe a version older because it has two usb three ports and then one usb two port whereas like mine has three 3.0 ports hmm. um but Anyway, yeah. um, good little cool. device. My the, my only complaint about it is the USB C cable, which plugs into your laptop, is it's non removable. It's it's you know it's connected. It's built into the device. Sure, and it's really short. So like I have a little stand that I put my laptop on so that oh, it's, so it dangles. Yeah, so it 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 actually works out where it can kind of stand vertically, and that works pretty well, but. I wish it was just a little bit longer. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, good little device. 
Um, and then the other pick that I've got is one that I actually hinted at earlier in which we were talking about offline, which is Jack Dorsey's interview on the Bill Simmons podcast. It's simultaneously insightful and really good, but then also super frustrating. So I don't know, a lot of, a lot of thoughts. If you end up listening to it, it might be something worthwhile talking about on the show. Oh yeah. It's, um, it's definitely on my list where I'm going to listen to it tomorrow. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I really appreciate, I mean, you, you know this about me. I, I love when executives kind of cut through the political nonsense and BS and just kind of speak plainly and get to the point. And Dorsey does that a hundred percent, but just comes up a little short in some of his answers. I'll yeah. Put it that way. Related, not not my pick, but if you can put a link to uh, in the Huffington Post, Ashley Feinberg had an interview with him, which was just insane, where he said a lot of really ill-advised things. Yeah, that'll be which, which, which is related. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the what do you call it? Yeah. The the Bill Simmons podcast again. It's it's tough to. I I wish they had a separate stream for just like here's episodes that are kind of not the typical sports ones. Because whenever he does have those, they're amazing. Um, all right. And for this week, I don't really have one. So I'm actually going to double down on something I've talked about in the past where I'm going to say my pick is Spotify. Because it is consistently the best music app for um, for people who like music or for like for people who view music as kind of not just searching for an artist and um, try and just wanting to listen to a track. Spotify just excels so much at the social aspect of it and music discovery and curation and all that kind of stuff to the point where because um, Apple Music is now included on uh, my cell phone plan because they've made deals with wireless carriers, uh, I tried using that again, and it's so insanely underwhelming and not fun. Um, It just reinforces how good Spotify is at capturing what makes people like music and the joy not to cross over with the Marie Kondo stuff, but like the joy of discovering new music, which yeah, Spotify is absolutely great at. And also this week they um, did a new feature where you can uh, mute an artist across the entire platform. So if there's somebody who just kind of creeps into your suggestions and it's just like, like the algorithm really thinks you like something that you really don't, you can just say, no, I never want to hear uh, what's that band 21 pilots or whatever again. That's pretty great. Yeah, Spotify, it's very good. All right. Well, I think I think that's going to do it. All right. Good to be back. <laughs>